This is episode number 34 of the Polyglot Developer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. In this episode, we're going to pick up where we left off because this is part two of a two-part episode featuring Merrick Sadowski from IBM on the topic of containers, virtual machines, and orchestration. In episode number 33, which is the first part of this particular series, we focus strictly on the background of virtual machines, kind of the background of containers, and then we kind of led into Kubernetes and why you might need it when it comes to container orchestration. In this episode, we're going to take things to the next level, continue our discussion on Kubernetes, but we're also going to lead into Red Hat OpenShift, which is a managed solution when it comes to container orchestration. If you haven't yet listened to episode number 33, I strongly recommend that you listen to that episode prior to listening to this episode. We have the same speaker, Merrick Sadowski of IBM, and it kind of gives background that leads into this episode. So I don't want you to miss out on any kind of information that uh, we'll be talking about in this particular episode, but there might be gaps because you didn't listen to the prior episode. So definitely take some time and listen to that prior episode before jumping into this particular episode. With that said, enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. We have Merrick Sadowski back for part two on our container orchestration, Kubernetes, OpenShift type podcast episode. Uh, So since this is a part two of uh, two episode, um, why don't we just dive right into kind of maybe a summary kind of background on what went on in the first episode, because that's going to lead us into the content material that that comes in this particular episode. Right, Merrick? Nick, thank you very much for having me again, and uh, yeah. and we can do as as you as you says. Uh, so, um, so uh, last time we were speaking a little bit uh, about history, why containers, and yep. um, and where we when we start to do orchestration, why it's needed, and uh, one one uh, why one would use um, something like a enterprise grade orchestration. Uh, so orchestration with maintenance and uh, maybe some um, curated approach. Um, so so we started to talk about Kubernetes and um, and uh, so so a little bit of of the recap. Um, everybody now wants to deploy application uh, based on the very uh, agile way and very um, uh, the way that is very portable between clouds or among the clouds. Uh, um, because you would like to even deploy on not the one but or two, but a couple of them and uh, use various various applications, various uh, functionalities across them. Um, people started to use uh, containers because they were so flexible and um, and easy to to deploy anywhere. But um, the headache came with the orchestration of uh, of plenty of services on on those uh, on those containers. So people started to use one of the systems. Uh, uh, the famous one at the moment, Kubernetes, uh, to manage those uh, those containers, and um, and we didn't cover that yet. Uh, but uh, Kubernetes doesn't answer uh, to all the questions. So um, Kubernetes answers uh, answers to to some of them. Uh, one of them is uh, if you want to deploy application and you want you'd like to roll out a new version, it's super easy. Um, because you have automated rollout and a rollback if something uh, is not working correctly. Then you have uh, health checks, and uh, you can uh, provide the secrets to, to cluster, and so on and so on. But um, there are a couple of things that are not happening. So if you have this uh, uh, microservices mesh, 
and you have this hundred of microservices running there and uh, you would like to just deploy uh, version B or have a load balancing that, uh, for example, you would like to start a new version for a particular type of users, uh, let's say 1% one, 1 of the users or 10% of the users, how to do it. And, um, and then um, you would like to have some testing and so on. You would start to think about uh, technologies to to do it, and people started to use uh, additional software on top of the Kubernetes to use it. And uh, this software was um, it's called Istio. Uh, it was created uh, by three founding companies. Uh, one of them was Google. The other one was IBM, and there was Lyft. And all these three founding companies uh, created the the platform. Uh, uh, you can find it on the internet, istio.io. Um, so it's I-S-T-I-O, right? Yes, and uh, .io. So, yes. so Istio is, is, um, is a platform that, uh, uh, that is on top of Kubernetes. Uh, it, mm, they call it, they use it um, a sidecar concept. So um, in every pod, it has a small, I don't know how to call it, symbiotic uh, organisms or parasite that is uh, invisible for you, but provides you with a, a lot of uh, good um, uh, functionalities. Uh, among them is, um, is distributing the, the, the workload and, um, and managing the workload, giving you some telemetry and stuff like that. So, so Istio came as the answer to requests uh, to deploy new version, versions of the applications and testing them in A-B tests uh, to do canary testing just for the specific group of users. Um, and then uh, upgrading the application uh, in um, after A-B tests gave you some results. Also, it's a very good tool for, uh, for, uh, for, uh, for the teams that manage entire, um, for, for DevOps, because uh, what it gives you, it gives you telemetry of the system. And using Grafana, for example, you can uh, you can picture entire system. How, what are the responses? Uh, how the responses are coming back to you? And not only that, you can also test the application, despite or uh, even you don't want to know what is inside of the uh, of what kind of language uh, or technology is being used in uh, in your pods or or, or containers. You just test, uh, you inject the delays on the particular uh, microservices, and it shows you what is the impact on your application. So you can have uh, health checks, uh, retries defined in, the, in Istio, and then uh, this brings you to a functionality of entire system. So you can test it out and, um, and introduce various technologies on top of that. So it's a great tool for the um, microservices mesh and uh, this type of the support for the applications. But as I said uh, uh, on the previous talk, um, you have this open, great open source technologies and um, everyone wants to use them. And these open source technologies are um, outstanding. However, there is one, one little, little thing missing that might forbid, uh, for example, bank or, or financial institution, healthcare insurance, or government uh, for using it, and and what is it? It's uh, maintenance um, and uh, and the support. And uh, one of um, companies um, started a long time ago supporting open source projects like Linux projects, 
with uh, with approach of um, of providing um, um, curated libraries and curated systems that was developed in open source, but later it was um, hard um, uh, hard proven, tested, and uh, packaged as the as the product. And we are coming to uh, to the company named uh, Red Hat. Probably you have heard about that if you are listening this, to this podcast. So Red Hat started with the Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and um, and it was introduced to all the banks uh, and all the financial institutions and uh, governments um, uh, in exchange for um, for enterprise grade Unix systems. So you see, Unix was attached to uh, hardware. While uh, Linux was attached to the, it was it, it was able to be installed on kind of any platform and uh, any hardware platform. So so it was a competitor to um, uh, enterprise um, Unix systems and offered the same almost the same functionality. Over the time, it started to be uh, a competitor, but it was very attractive because it offered open source uh, project uh, with the maintenance and support. So. Um, so the same approach uh, as Red Hat Enterprise Linux has uh, towards the open source and, for example, CentOS, so the same version of the Linux, but uh, with maintenance and support, is offered towards, uh, toward, towards Kubernetes and a couple other technologies. So, um, so this, uh, this technology um, for Kubernetes is called OpenShift. And, um, and exactly this is the, the thing that um, um, that Red Hat is offering, they are um, like CentOS uh, is the base for for uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux. The same is happening with uh, with Kubernetes. They call it a little bit differently. They call it OKD or Origin Community Distribution of Kubernetes, and it powers Red Hat OpenShift. And this OKD or Origin Community Distribution of Kubernetes, you can find it on uh, OKD.io um, uh, webpage. Um, is is the version that uh, is uh, um, developed by the uh, open source group, but then Red Hat is taking uh, this um, this project and making out of it the maintained and um, and supported version OpenShift. And um, when you are in an enterprise that really relies on the on the software that needs to work, and you are responsible for uh, to have all the ends covered, uh, so you cannot like uh, make uh, lose one part, for example, without maintenance. You you need someone to respond to your, for example, you have a, a financial um, uh, application that needs to work, and if you have delay or or um, and you are not available for some time, you would lose your customers. So you need to really have a response time. For the maintenance to really look into your problems, and you cannot rely on the uh, open source community for that goes, for example, for holidays uh, uh, or celebrates the uh, Valentine's Day, like like uh, during this uh, recording today. Uh, you need to have uh, really like a system that is maintained, and the Red Hat OpenShift answers this question um, and provides some simplification and um, and makes it easier for us to use it. It, it it includes um, Kubernetes uh, in its core. It includes also Istio and some other technologies that are making it available for uh, for everybody. It's being used by a lot of companies and um, 
And now it becomes uh, also part of IBM because maybe you have heard IBM acquired Red Hat with all the uh, cloud-based technologies with enterprise Linux and, uh, and this OpenShift. So, so we are very proud and uh, as IBMers uh, that IBM is making contribution and investments in open source. So, so we started uh, with Recap and I moved a little bit through the Istio towards um, uh, Red Hat uh, OpenShift that, that is kind of the, a platform that helps people to uh, run maintained, curated, and supported uh, Kubernetes. So I have a question. This this might be mm -hmm. silly. It's more on it's more in line with uh, just OpenShift in general and maybe Red Hat. Uh, mm -hmm. Because of the IBM acquisition of Red Hat, is OpenShift for all of the say uh, products that use open open source technologies, or uh, is it is it something else entirely? I'm not too familiar. Uh, uh, so so OpenShift. Um... The name is open, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it's a, a main, maintained version of the uh, uh, maintained version of the Kubernetes. So it, it's not it doesn't answer all sure. the questions. And some technologies, uh, let's say you would have a database, doesn't need to be run uh, using OpenShift. So so there, there is a uh, uh, we had this discussion I think earlier also on. Um, on uh, when you would use uh, Kubernetes and uh, why why you wouldn't use it. So one of yeah. the, uh, the cases is that um, uh, Kubernetes is based on the uh, containers that are very ephemeral and they are suited for the short-lived uh, processes yeah. uh, rather than uh, long-lived processes and so on. And uh, they are not uh, too uh, too good attached to the um, to the storage. Uh, uh, in terms of the, for example, uh, file systems or, or or anything of the um, uh, physical infrastructure, so um, so containers you would use for business logic that would uh, heat uh, and uh, and manage data um, through the software as a service application. So you would get, for example, database available for you as the uh, as a software as a service or, or SaaS. Uh, functionality, and you would change, you would uh, do the CRUD, so create, read, update, delete operations on this uh, data databases or object storages um, outside of Kubernetes. So Kubernetes or, or class or containers would just hit the uh, hit the SaaS APIs and um, and would do some changes, but uh, you would not do it in. Um, in a Kubernetes or OpenShift, so OpenShift is like uh, like Kubernetes is based on the on the ephemeral containers suited for the short-lived uh, business logic. Uh, you can also, of course, you can set set it up to long uh, to to run long longer-lived processes, but but uh, in general, it's it's suited for ephemeral processes that you would maintain this, um, for example, session. Or the state in the in the SaaS-based environment. So, so you would keep, for example, the uh, transaction in the database that you can, uh, if um, um, if this uh, short-lived container disappears or crashes, you can pick it up again from the storage and uh, continue the transaction. So, so that's um, so that's the, that's the difference. Yeah. So I have a few questions, and it may be, uh, I may have gotten confused along the way here, and I just want to clear some stuff up, uh, because mm -hmm. as, as you are probably already noticing, 
DevOps is not a huge part of what I do. So this is very new subject material for me, but it's very relevant. Um, so just to clear things up, so are you you're saying OpenShift is Kubernetes plus Istio plus extras, or is it totally different from Kubernetes, but kind of still revolves around the uh, container orchestration world? Um, so sometimes we run the sessions, uh, uh, Kubernetes, yeah. Kubernetes versus, uh, versus um, uh, OpenShift. Yeah. And there are there are a couple answers that um, that we I, I would like to like go over. Um, sure. And we can we can um, I will try to be uh, brief, so under five five minutes to answer kind <laughs> sure. of the, 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 the different approach. So first of all, OpenShift is based on the Kubernetes. Um, OpenShift, as I said, it's a origin Kubernetes distribution, and it's a project that contains uh, Kubernetes, Istio. Uh, Docker and some other projects inside that you yeah. would use um, along the way, but it's curated, um, gathering um, opinion, opinionated um, version or, or gathering of the technologies together. And then um, what Red Hat did, uh, uh, Red Hat improved kind of the uh, experience of using uh, for companies experience of using uh, Kubernetes. Um, Along other, along with other technologies, to kind of um, uh, make it easier and faster and uh, more more re reliable. So, is it safe to say that OpenShift is like a boosted kind of uh, customized flavor of Kubernetes? Exactly. So, um, so always when we when we uh, I always say uh, Kubernetes. Um, uh, Kubernetes based on Istio. Uh, oh, Kubernetes based on OpenShift. So what it means, um, it's a it's a flavor. So like Red Hat Enterprise Linux is a flavor of Linux. It's it's yeah. a Linux, but uh, with some flavor. Uh, OpenShift is a flavor of Kubernetes. So so your point is very very good, and uh, I will just give you a couple examples on deployment. What are the differences on management and security? Sure. So. So uh, when you think about uh, this kind of uh, story, um, when you deploy application with Kubernetes, first of all, you would create your uh, container. You would store your container in the uh, container registry. Uh, so, so there is open source registry with Docker Hub, for example. And um, so you would store your image there. Then you would use um, this, uh, this registry to deploy your application, but you would have to come up with some kind of the uh, DevOps story, so CI, CD story, and um, and this story would allow you to deploy the application. In terms of the uh, uh, OpenShift, so so that was the story from Kubernetes. You would have to choose some some technologies. You would have to get through the process. Sure. Uh, when you when you come up to um, uh, OpenShift, everything is done for you uh, by OpenShift. You just start the project. So the project encapsulates all these steps I, I mentioned before. So Kubernetes, uh, creating the, um, the the container, uh, container registry, and CI/CD story. So everything is done for you in a project, and project uh, encapsulates all these uh, steps. So in the deployment, it's very easy. Now, when we move to manage uh, in Kubernetes, where there is no specific UI, sometimes when you have managed. Kubernetes, like for example, in IBM Cloud, you would get some 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 kind of the UI that you can rely on. Um, you would go for the um, um, 
for uh, for um, for working with the uh, uh, with the logs. So you would use Elk Stack. Uh, so Elk Stack is Elasticsearch logs uh, log and, um, and let me uh, uh, let me just try to give you guys a, um, kind of link to it. Uh, Elk. Um, yeah, any any links that you say, I'll uh, I'll include in the show notes. In the, so that way, yeah, yeah, uh, it, people yeah. find them. So so it's Elasticsearch, Logstash, and Kibana. So so this is the sure. kind of the way to work with the uh, so to work with entire process. And I will give you guys uh, uh, some link uh, later on, so you can kind of rely and read a li uh, little bit more about that. But you would have to kind of go through entire stack yourself, and. Um, and then when you uh, when you are ready with uh, with everything, you would uh, you would use Istio for managing your application. So you would use Istio YAML files uh, to deploy your application and a test for a a b test to uh, load balance it, and and uh, and you would have kind of a, uh, again the tools you would have to use uh, choose them and maintain them. With uh, with OpenShift, it's as I said, it's opinionated uh, uh, stack that is provided for you by um, uh, by Red Hat, but also it gives you UI. So you have UI for management, so very easy for for, for administrators. Uh, or you can use uh, command line interface, but you have this UI that uh, gives you everything on on uh, on one side. Um, then you would use um, empowered uh, Elk stack, uh, which is uh, um, uh, which is EFK, um, so so it it replaces um, uh, one. Uh, it it gives you fluent D uh, instead of uh, uh, instead instead of uh, logstash, and uh, there are some uh, uh, some differences in that. But there is opinionated, as I said, opinionated uh, uh, difference. But uh, what it says. It gives you everything in a capsule, so you don't need to kind of uh, maintain all these projects. Uh, it's already maintained for you by by OpenShift. So when you deploy, it's easier. You use project. When you manage, uh, you have a very well maintained uh, stack that is working well together. Then you come to the security, and in security, you have to mm, use uh, Kubernetes-based security. You need to rely on the role-based access. Uh, uh, control to to your um, uh, to various environments. You would use a, a IAM uh, kind of um, uh, services to have access uh, granted. Uh, authentication based on various technologies. It would be there are a lot of technologies that you need to kind of include and uh, and kind of deal with. So it it means <clears throat> security would be. Also, a challenging uh, step. Uh, you would have to deal with a couple of technologies. With OpenShift, is again the project takes care of everything. There are constraints uh, embedded in the OpenShift. Uh, one of the constraints is, for example, you cannot deploy um, as a, as the default uh, deployment. You cannot de deploy root-based uh, containers. So root that means. Uh, Containers where the user is is root. You have to define different user than administrative user, and um, and that helps you out to keep everything uh, under uh, under control. And and that's good practice coming even from Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So so it starts very early, and uh, and 
Final point, so we went through deployment, management, and security. The last part is uh, when you want to extend your cluster. And, um, and, um, and in uh, OpenShift where you would use Ansible for that, so it's an easier way to, uh, to kind of extend entire, um, entire, um, uh, entire cluster, entire deployment. Uh, with Kubernetes, uh, you would have to, um, again, struggle, and there is a way to do it, but it's not uh, clear like uh, with OpenShift. Uh, you have to uh, uh, enlarge the cluster. You have to use YAML files. Maybe you have to shut down entire deployment and bring it up. Uh, so it's not that easy. So uh, OpenShift simplifies, um, simplifies deployment, management, security, and entire lifecycle of the, of the Kubernetes um, deployments. Um, but it's based on open source. So still you use uh, Kubernetes Istio under the hood. Um, in Kubernetes, you have to really um, go through entire process of selecting, uh, selecting your own um, technologies. And uh, you have to always keep this uh, this know-how and experience, and uh, and um, and 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 in fact, it, it takes the time and, and resources. So you have to use people who uh, and ask people to to do administrators to do a lot of things uh, in addition to uh, to just delivering business logic. So uh, when you are in a bank or um, financial institutions or uh, uh, Forbes 500, you would probably use something that is opinionated by um, a relevant institution that provides you with maintenance and support and so on. So, so that's that's kind of the the difference between one and the other. Uh, so, OpenShift ba is based on Kubernetes, but gives you so much more, uh, and it makes everything easier. It's kind yeah, of yeah, it uh, sounds like that. Yeah. Is, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a great uh, comparison and. Uh, but still, it's the same technology. So under the hood is the same technology. So I want to circle back to something that you said earlier in this, in this particular episode. You said that OpenShift, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said that it is better suited when it comes to storage. So going back to a question I asked on the first part of this uh, two-part podcast, I asked about persisted uh, kind of database stuff and rollbacks. So if if it's better suited for storage and there's a, uh, a rollback I, uh, scenario. Correction. Correct. Oh, <laughs> correction. all right. <laughs> so, uh, so as Kubernetes, uh, OpenShift yeah. is uh, having yeah. the same issue with the storage. So it's uh, for ephemera, right. ephemera containers. So you would need, um, still you would need software as a service based uh, uh, systems that would provide you uh, let, let's say you would like to use database like MongoDB, you would sure. use uh, MongoDB as a service uh, sure. on, on some cloud, and, um, and you would use ephemeral uh, network of, or, or manage orchestrated containers that would heed this, uh, this database oh, okay. and, and create uh, functionality on top of the database. So then is OpenShift, mm -hmm. I was going to mm -hmm. say, is OpenShift better for, you said, object storage and things like that then? Um, it's um, it's as as good as as Kubernetes, but as I said, it's right. uh, just just management deployment and um, security is uh, uh, very well tuned and uh, and it, it's based on the opinionated stack that is just um, 
easier to use um, in exchange for the license price. So, uh, so you yeah. have to pay the license for for keeping everything um, under the the kind of the control. So, yeah. Then let's talk about licensing or pricing mm-hmm. and things like that. And and I I get it if if you don't know all the all the pricing information. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, of course the things that I do. I don't know uh, much price information, um, but what what does something like OpenShift cost to use if you want to use it for um, orchestration? Um, so so there are two uh, two elements to let's say if you um, if you open IBM Cloud and you have a pay as you go account, um, you would use um, let's say Kubernetes and um, and you would deploy a, a simple um, you would deploy application that. Uh, on which you would use Istio for the orchestration. So probably you would start with the three nodes, and on each node you would deploy uh, four CPUs with 16, 16 gigabytes of RAM. And uh, so that would be the, your basic deployment. So three nodes and um, and 16, uh, uh, three nodes, four CPUs each node, and 16 gig- gigabytes each node. So. Um, so anyone can do this exercise with me. Uh, if you guys want to try, you just go to cloud.ibm.com. I'm just opening the, the site myself. I don't have uh, all the answers from top of my sure. head. <laughs> is there so, um, is there a free tier option? Like, could somebody who's like not very experienced with Kubernetes and an orchestration, someone like me who doesn't want to jump right into paying, uh, could they experiment? Um, yes. As part of a uh, yes. Yeah. So so we have a free tier and. Uh, and every, I think now every provider of the cloud uh, experience uh, um, exploitation of the cloud resources by, um, let's say, even miners uh, for for um, for cryptocurrencies. So, so there is some limitations and some ways to kind of uh, control what is happening. This free tier for Kubernetes, uh, making the story long story short. Uh, but you need to provide your credit card number just to unlock this functionality, because otherwise people would uh, launch hundreds of the of the yeah. containers free of charge, and they would just uh, mine those uh, cryptocurrency uh, <laughs> forever. Yeah. So, um, so, so if you go to containers, um, you would um, you would see um, uh, in the catalog you would see containers, and it's a um, it's a part of the pay-as-you-go profile, but there is a free of charge. You can create one, uh, one node uh, free of charge. And if I am correct, uh, I'm just opening it now. So, so there is a free cluster uh, with one worker node to explore the capabilities. So you can you can test it, and uh, that's uh, that's the basic um, uh, that's the basic deployment. And then um, what you would um, uh, uh, what you, what you would start with? Uh, so as I said, you would go for the uh, probably for um, four CPUs, sixteen gigabytes RAM, uh, virtual cluster, and one instance. So you you would have to uh, uh, potentially multiply that. Uh, you would uh, you would uh, deploy uh, three such nodes. Uh, do I have? I guess the nodes over here. So I don't see it, um, but uh, but you would start with the thirty uh, about thirty cents or less than thirty cents of the of the price for for per hour for such a for such a cluster uh, for for one node. So let me try to open. I I think I have somewhere the calculator that I can uh, share with you guys, and uh, 
and I want to be able to. Um, uh, Is this a public calculator that I could link to later yeah, in the notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just go to the cloud.ibm.com yeah. and uh, and fetch the uh, go to the catalog and um, enable all the services. So not only light, light are for free of charge services, but you can you can just click on the on the uh, containers and you would see Kubernetes and OpenShift. So. So for OpenShift, for Kubernetes first, let's let's do it. Uh, as I said, the me medium size. I'm not speaking about the smallest one, but uh, you can get the smallest one for free, and uh, probably you would have to restart it every twenty days or every three weeks. Uh, but uh, but when you create um, a cluster, so I will have the now calculation done. So I'm using a Kubernetes cluster. I'm using, uh, you can use multi-zone, which means you can go between couple zones. So you can have the uh, high availability already turned in. But I will do with the single zone. So in the beginning, let's say our startup will use just a single zone. I will not move between different machines. Uh, so multi-zone, so just one. And I would have the uh, uh, four CPUs, as I said, uh, and 16 gigabyte RAM. Uh, and I would have uh, three worker nodes. So, so that's a medium size of the uh, of the of the cluster, and the price is eighty eight cents per hour uh, for such an installation, with everything included for for that. So, uh, we come up to uh, six hundred thirty five dollars and four cents monthly estimated cost. So, so that would be the cost for for three working uh, worker nodes for the decent. A medium-sized application that you deploy uh, with, for example, with Istio. And this is more uh, more designed for for larger scale organizations, right? Not for a hobbyist developer, right? Yeah, for hobbyists, you you would have the free cluster, so you would use a free cluster, one node, sure. and you can you can kind of uh, test everything. And and as you know, as you know, uh, Kubernetes comes also with Cube, uh, and you can just install uh, install. It on your desktop, so you'd have a single node, and you can sure. test every, all, all the commands on the single node. But um, sounds awesome. If you go to easy, yeah. Um, and I think we can also run such an event. Um, uh, you can join our events. Uh, uh, we do sometimes webinars in which we uh, allow you to deploy or, or use our own clusters, and we make the, those clusters available for you during the, the webinar and after, for example, for 24 hours. So you can test it. And uh, and play with that. On other hand, if you so we came up to the price eighty eight cents per hour for three worker working nodes. And um, you would like to know what is the OpenShift price. Um, uh, so this is the price I I would see when when I would say okay let's let's do uh, the same kind of uh, kind of deployment single zone. Uh, three three worker nodes, the same size of the nodes. So four. CPUs, 16 gigabyte RAM. So I would have um, some discount uh, on that. So instead of paying uh, just for the compute uh, 88, I would pay 81 cents per hour. Sure. And however, um, I would pay a OCP, so OpenShift license uh, for, for those clusters. And every node, uh, for such a size of the um, of the uh, of the node, so for CPU, 16 gigabyte RAM, I would pay $400 per month as a license fee, and it's monthly. So um, so total cost would be uh, uh, 
three three such licenses per each node, uh, so $1,200 per month. Um, so the total cost of entire installation is $1,781.04 monthly. So Got that's it. estimated estimated cost. So either you would pay about $600 uh, for just Kubernetes and Istio, and you have to maintain everything yourself. And, he, and they, as I said, there's a lot of uh, administration overhead, or you would pay a little bit, some, something more. So uh, instead of 600, you would pay three times, about, about three times more, so $1,781 monthly, but you would have all these things taken care of. So, um, when you have a challenge with, uh, with getting the resources uh, in terms of the uh, engineers to, to manage your, your clusters, and you want to have uh, support and maintenance for, 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 for your environment, probably the answer for the, uh, if you come from the bank or financial institution would be to use OpenShift. So, and, Makes and sense. As, and as I said, as I said in the beginning, Kubernetes is an open source platform, and there is a way to migrate from Kubernetes to OpenShift. And it's the same technology, but a little bit more um, constrained in terms uh, of the security of on the entire platform. So it's like an audited platform, and um, you can have a, a sounder uh, sleep if you use OpenShift and if you work for the uh, let's say, uh, Fortune 500 um, uh, or Forbes 500 company. So, Got it. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So then uh, is there any kind of last minute like words of wisdom or advice that you want to give listeners when it comes to uh, containers, virtual machines, OpenShift, uh, Kubernetes, any, anything uh, that you think uh, might be valuable. Anything that maybe that you learned at some point in time that uh, you spent a lot of time trying to figure out, uh, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, uh, good request, uh, and uh, and I think it's um, one of the things that I learned over over the time um, when I uh, when I restarted as a developer advocate in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, recently, six years ago, uh, I learned that the old-style uh, monolith-based um, approach to uh, to build and deploy applications is no more. And in order to um, to be relevant in the uh, in the current uh, uh, workspace and uh, and and become a valuable employee. You need to learn about Kubernetes. You have to start with with the with the containers, maybe with Docker, and then go to the Kubernetes and uh, try Istio and have just a small hands-on knowledge. So, um, so I would try to to get my hands on on this technology and go through the very basic examples, uh, de deploying uh, Kubernetes clusters and uh, trying uh, very basic operations. Um, IBM uh, and our team is giving a lot of um, uh, uh, opportunities for you to learn how to do it. So uh, if you are in Silicon Valley, you can come uh, to in-person uh, uh, workshops and meetups, but also you can just join us from anywhere because we are doing those, uh, those webinars in which we deploy for you clusters. And you can uh, get the cluster and, uh, that is pre-provisioned for you. 
and you can test it for during one day free of charge and uh, and learn the basics of the technology and then you can uh, tell your future or current employer that uh, you know about OpenShift, you know about Kubernetes, you know about Istio and you know what what it means to have a containerized application and how to use it for example with the SaaS uh, databases like uh, MongoDB and um, and and you know the the value of it so um, and that's the future for applications so 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 i think that's the most important part that uh, you could now nowadays try it for free uh, you can uh, but you need to kind of make make an effort and uh, and test it out because the future is with the with the containers i don't see uh, why someone would uh, would step back and think about monolith monolithic applications instead of uh, working with the containers so containers is for future for for today and um and that's the technology that is going to be uh, uh the knowledge for, for which is going to be sought after by enterprises so if you want to have a job and stay current just learn about this as much as you can but at least have a try give it a try love the advice merrick um, and once again, I appreciate that you came back for part two on this particular podcast series. Um, so it was much appreciated that you were on this show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really uh, enjoy uh, discussion, and uh, always it, it gives me some uh, some uh, some additional thinking how I should uh, use um, my technology and how I could uh, make it uh, better for for you guys for for our listeners. And I hope you can join uh, Nick and myself uh, in in-person event um, uh, in California or, or maybe just listen to us on the podcast or maybe uh, next time do the webinar together so we can maybe uh, show you something, uh, some small applications that you can test for free and, and learn about this great technology that, that we try to share with you today. I hope that you were able to get a lot of value out of this particular episode, which was part two of two with Merrick Sadowski from IBM. Uh, again, the topic that we covered was just all around containers, virtual machines, and then orchestration towards the later half of the first episode, as well as this particular episode. If you like what you heard and you're listening from iTunes or another podcast network that allows for ratings or reviews, it would mean a lot to me if you went in and left it a five-star rating, maybe said something nice about the show, so that way future listeners can get an idea of what, in, what they're getting themselves into. It also helps me rank a little better in search results, so that way listeners can discover this particular podcast. If you want some more great learning material when it comes to different technologies, maybe DevOps, development, things like that, go ahead and head over to thepolyglotdeveloper.com. So that is the core site for this podcast and any other development content that's produced in terms of the Polyglot Developer Network. And that concludes episode number 34.